Good morning. Uh, my name is Chris. Great to see everybody this morning. Uh, they kind of overpredicted what was going to happen. It didn't uh, turn out quite that way. And so uh, super to uh, see all of you here. Uh, some of our comrades are still in bed because they think there's 10 inches of snow out there. But, uh, but there isn't. Uh, we are walking through this idea of falling head over heels in love with Jesus in the first week. We looked at ourselves, and we saw that, hey, we want to be more. Uh, we, we, we really desire from deep down inside, I want to be more than who I am. And that desire is really righteousness. It's the pursuit of righteousness. I want to be right. I want to be good. I want to make a difference with my life. I want my life to matter. I want to matter. We can, we can sense that, but we also in the mirror saw that we don't have the ability to keep our promises that we make great promises to ourselves, to others, to God, but we really don't have the ability to keep our promises. And oftentimes, it's intuitively, it's just natural that we think, okay, the way to get righteousness, the way to get forgiveness is to come before God and be able to say, okay, God, I'm really sorry, and I'm going to do better. And then you work at doing better. And God said this amazing thing. It goes against every religion in the world. He said, no, no one will be declared righteous by observing the law. You're not going to be observed. You're, you're, changing your behavior doesn't make you righteous, which means you can stop trying to be better. You can stop trying to be better so that you can have a relationship with God. You can stop trying to be better thinking, yeah, that's going to get me there, which is a relief. It's also hopeless. Like everything I've been working toward to try to find this forgiveness or get to heaven or find this relationship with God, it's hopeless. So go live your lives and you die. And then we looked at Jesus the next week and we found that Jesus came and took his, your sin on him. He literally became your sin. He became you. So that God could pour out his wrath on Jesus. So that the sin could be paid for. And therefore, when we turn that wrath bucket back up, right side up, and we look inside, there is, the Bible, the Romans says, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. There's no disgust. There's no, we are given his righteousness. We were able to come to the place where you say, wait, 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 you mean Jesus did something in my life or Jesus is offering to do something in my life whereby I would be everything God ever dreamed I would be. That causes you to fall head over heel in love with Jesus. If, if he really does that, if, he, if that's really who he is, wow, that's someone you fall head over heels in love with. Today we're going to look at his promise. What about Jesus' promises. We're going to look at his promises. And a key to this, or the message title is Promises Made and Promises Kept. But the key to this is that faithfulness and trust are the foundation to a growing love. Faithfulness and trust are a foundation to a growing love. Lori and I are coming up on 40 years, and uh, we don't, we're going to be some pictures that pop up here. We don't look quite as old as these pictures, or at least if we do, don't tell us. We don't think we do. Um... What, what causes a couple to be able to not just stay together, but have this incredible head over heels in love experience with each other by the time they've been married for years, 40 years? How does that happen? 
Well, it happens this way. When you first fall in love, it's kind of a giddy puppy love. And it's all built on expect expectations and promises. Some promises the people make. Sometimes you get with that person like, man, we just have such great chemistry. And you begin to make each other promises. And all those promises are about who I'm going to do and what I'm going to do in your life in the future. Others of them are never mentioned. You just make them up. You're with this person. You begin to dream of the children you're going to have and the experiences you're going to have and how it's going to be so great and how you're going to love being together. And it's just awesome. And you, no one ever said that to you. You just made those up. You thought that was what was going to happen. The foundation of a love where you fall head over heels in love and you not only stay, but it grows, is faithfulness and trust. They make promises and they keep those promises. The reason why Lori and I are head over heels in love with each other is because of the amazing promises she made. But even more amazing is the promises she never made out loud. But I watched her over and over times, times when she should have, could have, it would have been right for her to lower the boom on me. But instead she fought for me. Instead she fought for me. And built me up. And told me the truth. And loved on me. And when you're like, She's so trustworthy. I can trust her. I can totally blow it and trust her. It's the foundation. So as we look at the promise this morning, the first, uh, first question, or the first passage we're going to look at is in, it's also in Romans. He, 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 put, he put forth, uh, there's no hope. Then he put forth, yeah, Jesus is absolutely the hope. This amazing love. And then he's going to talk about why it's by promise and faith. Why it has to be by grace. It can't be any other way. And he says this. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, if you are depending upon what you're going to do, if you're focused on what you're going to produce and, what, and the promises that you're going to make and the promises that you're going to keep, if you're focused on the law, changing your behavior, doing whatever your religion tells you, then faith means nothing. Then faith means nothing. And the promise is worthless. What was the promise? The promise is what we learned last week. That Jesus would come, take your place, and then give you his righteousness that you might be everything God ever dreamed you'd be. That's the promise. That promise is worthless if it's depending upon you keeping your promise. Why? Because if I make you a promise that I will give you a million dollars as long as you show up at my house every day at 8 a.m. for the next three years and tell me how great I am. <laughs> What's the chances... You keep your promise. You're like, for a million dollars, really good. And actually, they're not. Something's going to happen. Right? See, God's promise is worthless if it's dependent upon you keeping your promise. Why? Because really, the whole thing's dependent upon you. 
In this situation, he says, no, no, no. The promise is by faith or through faith and by grace. It's entirely dependent upon what God promises you. He says, because the law brings wrath. Why does the law bring wrath? Because whatever he asks you to do, you're going to fail at. Whatever it is, you're going to fail at. You cannot keep your promise. And where there, is, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Then he says this, therefore the promise comes by faith. The only way you interact with the promise is you trust it. You believe it. Some of you have friends. <laughs> this is awesome with the, uh, with the different cultures that we have. So uh, some, sometimes you go to parties, right? And they say the party's going to start at 6 o'clock. Now... This is not against any one family or group. This just happened to me. So um, I, my in-laws are from Ecuador. My son's in-laws are from Ecuador. So we're tied into that family, and they were going to have this big get-together. It was, I think it was a graduation for one of their kids. And they said, it starts at 6 o'clock. So I showed up at like 5 minutes to 6. And I sat in the living room for an hour and a half before anybody else showed up. <laughs> that makes sense, right? <laughs> Why did I do that? Because I trusted that six o'clock meant six o'clock. It, it doesn't mean six o'clock. I learned that. See, you live a certain way. You, you can accept God's promise only one way. You trust him. You trust him. And this isn't about you and how great your faith is. It has nothing to do with how great your faith is. It has everything to do with the fact I can trust him. Now, will I ever go to a party like that again at 6 o'clock? Never. Never. Is that because my faith is strong or weak? No, it's because you, you can't trust that. There's other people, there are people in our church that when they say they're going to be someplace at a certain time, I make sure I show up at that time. Why? They've never been late. They're always going to be there. I can trust them. That's how you interact with God's promises. When you trust them, that's it. That's your whole role. It's to trust God's promises, trust him. That's your role. It's not to produce. It's to believe. And then real faith is you act on whatever they say is true. And it's by grace. You, you can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't do something to get God to do something on your behalf. It's entirely by grace. He does it on your behalf, even though you can't keep your promises. That it may be guaranteed to all of God's offspring. You see, God's promises are guaranteed because they're not dependent upon you. They're only dependent upon him. You ever get one of those warranties? You open it up, it says the warranty, and it says, this warranty is good as long as you has 15 things. And you read those 15 things and you're like, this warranty is worthless. Why? Because we're not going to be able to do those 15 things. Well, God's promise, that's not a guarantee. God's promise is guaranteed. Because I, he says, I promise you this, 
You accept it through faith, and you do, and it's dependent upon you, not at all. That list is blank. It's not about what you produce. That's the principle of what we're working about today. So now let's, let's jump into what your experience is, life in, is like in life. So my first question to you is this. Has God ever lied to you? Do not answer this out loud. Do not shake your head. Because we're in church. So you're going to tend to go, oh, no, God's never lied to me. You don't feel like that. You don't feel like that. We often feel that God has lied to us. Or he might lie to us. How do I know that? Because if you didn't think that, then you would trust him. If you hadn't had those kinds of experiences, faith wouldn't be so hard. So, first of all, let's be clear about some of the promises that he has made to you. Let's be clear about some of the promises he's made to you. This is from Ephesians, the first chapter. It's loaded with these promises that God has made. He says, Bless, he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What that means is, is that when you accept Christ, he pours out on you every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Again, don't raise your hand. How many of you in here go, I absolutely trust God that he will do that for those people. He just doesn't do it for me. I absolutely trust God. I know what the Bible says. Yeah, I, I, I know God does that for people. I pray for people all the time. I, 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 he just doesn't do that for me. Well, what this passage says is, yes, he does. Yes, he does. By the way, many of you have interacted with God's promises on the level of either somebody told you God promised you something or you felt like God promised you something, you really thought something was going to work out. Um, I really, really trusted God for this thing. Be careful because those aren't always God's promises. The way that we find God's promises, first and foremost, is the Bible. And when God has made a promise to mankind or to the church, He's made it to you. He's made that promise to you. That's how he does it. He does it through the Bible. So first, every spiritual blessing. What this means is God has not held back anything from you. He's given you everything he has to give. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's what we talked about last week. He's promised you he would make you holy you feel inadequate? You're not. You're not inadequate. And blameless. You feel guilty? You feel less than what you dreamed you could be? You're not. Not if you've accepted Christ. He has made you holy and blameless. Incredible promise. In his sight. In love, he predestined us as adoption to sonship. Through Jesus Christ. What this means is Don High is not my father. The God of the universe is my dad. You got a messed up dad? Don't worry about that. God promises you he's your dad. Now again, you, you accept this by faith. You're not born into this world and God's your dad. You're born into this world somebody who can't keep his promises. 
Then he comes along and says, I want to be your dad. I want to adopt you. You accept that by faith. Those are big promises. The forgiveness of sins. Like, there's, there's more I got to do. There's more I got to do. There's more. No, there's no more you have to do. He forgives you of your sin. Builds a whole different relationship with you. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. Again, giant, giant vats of blessing that he's poured out upon you. Now, those are the promises. Next question is, pop up, guys. Oh, there's a couple more promises. Uh, when we believed, you were marked, when, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. When you become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. That's a mark. That's a seal. You're sealed. Now, it doesn't feel like we have these promises at this point, because in our day-to-day lives, like, I, 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 it doesn't feel like that. And oftentimes, as we live our lives, we blow it. We're like, oh, no, I blew it. I blew it. Certainly, God's going to give up on me now. The Holy Spirit has actually been put within you. It guarantees you will go to heaven. This is how. The Holy Spirit lives within you. If you don't go to heaven, then God is literally torn apart. And part of him goes to hell. If you don't go to heaven, God is torn apart. That's not going to happen. It's a guarantee that what God has promised you is going to come to pass. He also promises that when you, the Spirit puts this inside of you, this is who you are. This is the fruit of who you really are, this holy and blameless per- person. You're full of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everything you said you wanted to be is what he promises you are. Lastly, in Ephesians, he says, uh, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses Knowledge. In other words, you're loved beyond what you could possibly understand. That's his promise. This is what God has promised you. We started with saying, does it ever seem like God has lied to you? Now, the next piece is why we get a little confused. Following these promises and God's word creates wonderful byproducts. Wonderful byproducts. Do you know what a byproduct is? A byproduct is when you, you've come up, you either, you're either growing something or you're building something, you're making something, and while you're making that thing, it causes a byproduct. It causes another product to come along with it. Sometimes they're not so good. We're going to focus on good ones, good byproducts. So the, the, the first byproduct is that of uh, coal tar. So listen to this. When coal is carbonized to make high carbon fuel, so you turn coal into a high carbon fuel, that's the product. That's what you're after. It's really good. 
uh, or gasified to make coal gas. It's a new way to, it's a way to use coal that's better than other ways, right? This is a great product. Coal tar is produced as a byproduct. It's something that they end up with left over once they make what they wanted to make. For a long time, uses for coal tar were sparse and exclusively industrial. It was most lit on fire and burned for its heat. It's for no other reason, if for no other reason, than simply because it was flammable. In 1878, which I thought was interesting because that's a long time ago, Konstantin Fallberg was part of a Johns Hopkins University study on coal tar, where he experimented with a variety of different compounds throughout the day. One night while eating bread and at dinner, he noticed an incredibly sweet taste on his hands and instantly ran back to his laboratory and tasted all the breakers he was working with that day. After several hours of searching, he found one particular that was 300 times sweeter than sugar. Simply put, the world of zero calorie artificial sweeteners was born. He named his creation saccharin, a wildly popular alternative to sugar throughout the 20th century and the chief ingredient in sweet and love. So all of you who are healthy, and so you take your sweet and love, just want you to know you're eating tar. I love stuff like that. That's a byproduct. Another byproduct is is uh, cows or cow intestines. The greatest tennis racket strings are made from cow intestines. They take it and they dry it and they stretch it and they do all this stuff to it. And the most expensive or the best rackets, there are some professional players that will only play if it's strung with cow intestines. Now, we raise cows because they taste great. That's why we do it. They taste great. But they do have this really cool byproduct. Now, you wouldn't stop raising cows because you found out a better way to make rackets. And you go, oh, we can't use the cow intestines anymore, so we're going to stop raising cows. No, that's not the main product. That's a byproduct. You wouldn't stop taking coal and turning it into gas and turning it into a better fuel because all of a sudden you found out, like word got out that Sweet and low was made from tar, right? And so nobody would buy it anymore. You wouldn't do that. Why not? Because that's a byproduct. This is the major product. You don't test the product based on the byproduct that comes out. But we often think or test whether or not God's keeping his promise to us based on the byproduct, not based on the real deal, not based on the major promise. There's all kinds of awesome byproducts for this life that come from following Jesus' promises. One of them is, do not conform to the pattern of this world. This statement comes at the end of Romans, after he's taught you about the promises of God and this amazing relationship you have with God, what God has poured into you and what God is doing inside of you and who he's making you. He says, in response to that, 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, put off the way you used to think and put on what the Bible has to say. Fill your mind with what the Bible has to say and the promises that God has to say. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, perfect will. I'm always looking for these people. I'm always looking for the guys who sacrifice their bodies to God as worship and who are filling their minds with what's true and practically practicing it, taking it off. You know why? Because they are wise people. They give me great answers to tough situations. Why? Because they've developed the ability to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. What an amazing byproduct. It's an amazing byproduct. Some of you, your lives have changed dramatically since you've come to Skyline. There are ways that you think differently that's so much healthier than you used to think. It's a byproduct. It's a really cool byproduct. Another one is, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It says, uh, when people are trying to hurt you, the way you respond to them is not, you don't try to hurt them back. You don't get revenge. You, in accordance with how much evil they do to you, you do good to them. It even, it even talks about how it, uh, it's like you throw burning coals on top of their head. I'm not sure what that means. It just it does mean you win. It means you win. So when uh, Erica was in third grade, she was a pretty cute little girl. And so the guys uh, were very interested. So they do what little guys do. And they start picking on her. They're mean to her. And uh, she would come home crying, and, and uh, right away, Lori's like, okay, let me show you this verse. We're going to practice this verse. So they start making cookies. So the kids, she, she brings cookies to the kids who are the meanest to her the next day, and then they stop being mean to her for like two months. And then they're back at it again. She brings more cookies. It's a pattern that's developed in our life and that we do in our life. Um, it's amazing. It has an incredible byproduct. Instead of you being overtaken by people doing evil, you actually literally get to live with joy and you have a way to interact with it. This past week we went uh, before the board, uh, planning board in the town and uh, um, Lori, she honestly did this. She, she baked uh, 12, no, yeah, four dozen cookies. She had a dozen cookies for four different people. Whoever showed up, that was, was uh, going to badmouth Skyline, she had cookies for him when we got done. That's her plan. Well, why does she do that? She goes, it's, it frees me. It frees me from being angry at people. That's an amazing byproduct. It's awesome. It's not the core of the promise. Another one says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What? Okay, so per pursue the promises, the big promises. Believe God for the big promises. You don't have to worry about what you wear and how you look and how you do your hair and how people perceive you. Are you going to be taken care of? You focus on this, and God is going to take care of you. Now, again, a number of you have experienced this. When you came to Skyline, financially, ay, 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 your life was a mess. 
And you kept thinking it was bad luck and bad, why did these things happen to me? And yeah, it's because you, you, you're all worried about stuff. And you noticed that when you stopped worrying about stuff and you started focusing on the promises, financially you became more stable. You started making wiser decisions. Awesome byproduct. It's not the core of what God's doing in your life. It's not the promise. It's not the promise. The last, the, the last, thing, the last verse in this particular passage, if you grab a hold of this, change your life. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. The flesh will reap. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If you learn the principle that I'm going to do what I'm supposed to be doing, when I'm supposed to be doing it, while I'm supposed to be doing it, and I will worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, tomorrow, whoo, you become way more effective, you become productive, you become focused. It's incredible what happens to your life. Just this one simple little principle. Even if you don't believe in Jesus at all, you practice this principle, your life's better. Great byproduct. Great byproduct. Is that the core of the promise? Jesus did not come to you and make you promises so that you could be a highly toned, focused person. He did it to change who you are on the inside. He did it so that you could become the righteousness you dream of becoming. Another one says, whoever sows Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the, from the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Again, this has amazing byproduct. When you give your life to the Spirit and you give your life to the things that God talks about and you practice those things, it helps your relationships, it helps your finances, helps your, it helps your, your, your mental health. It helps, it helps you, your physical health. It's amazing what happens. But it's a byproduct. It's not the core. So let me ask you this. It's kind of the same question, but have you often felt like God broke a promise to you? When uh, I met Lori, well, when I started dating Lori, I was 16, she was 17. And when she was little, she had gone to church and Sunday school and memorized things and invited kids to church. She was just sold out for what Jesus had promised her. When she was in fourth grade, her grandpa got cancer. And worse yet, the church they were going to had gone off track of what God has to say. And the pastor and some of the leaders of the church had come to the grandpa and said, you must be demon-possessed. we got to get rid of the demon so you can be healed. So, he, so they made it sound like it was really the grandpa's fault that he had cancer. When her grandpa died, she's like, I'm done with this Jesus stuff. He broke, he broke the promise. He broke the promise. Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed for your grandpa or your grandma? And they passed away anyway. And you're like, uh-uh, he, he broke his promise. Maybe you prayed for a friend 
and you were sure God was going to heal them. Or maybe you have a child and you prayed for your child to know Jesus or to turn around or get off drugs. Didn't happen. I mean, I believed with all my heart. Didn't happen. About three weeks after we bought this campus, I met with the people from the town, and the variance guy said, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to give you the permits for the, for the chapel, and I don't think you'll ever get them. So I just led us to spend $1.3 million on a campus, and we can't use it. We'll never fit in it. I had promised Mike Tucci I could fix that chapel up in four to six months. He didn't believe me then, which he shouldn't have, but. <laughs> but he did think I could do it in eight months. And that moment, even though I knew it wasn't true, I knew that God hadn't actually lied to me, in that moment, everything else in me said God lied. He, he broke his promise. God, I've been following you and following you and following you. How could you let this happen? Now, that's because I began to measure my relationship with God based on the byproduct. He never promised me we could fix up that chapel. I just thought... That with the promise he had given and what we were trying to do and where we were trying to do and, and, and all that we had been through in the 15 years trying to find a, a spot in Bloomfield, certainly he's going to come through here, right? It's a byproduct. Now, two amazing things happened with the campus. One, you didn't really care what the campus looked like. That surprised me. Number two, the people you invited didn't care what the campus looked like. Well, how do I know that? Because they dropped their kids off downstairs in rooms that had fabric over two-by-fours. <laughs> Why did they come back? Why did you come back? That makes no sense. And the, the second thing is that he continued to reach people. He continued to love people. People continued to come to know his grace and their lives continued to be changed without the chapel. And really without the other dream of part of that peace. Why? Because God doesn't break his promises. And all he's promised us is he wants a church in Bloomfield based on love and grace. All he's promised us is that he has a dream for this church, and he's going to work. He, he hasn't promised anything about buildings. Does that make sense? Now, it's really cool to report. I think most of you already know this. But uh, since the, that was two years ago. Since that two years ago, this past Thursday, we passed. So, so maybe I can keep my promise. I, <laughs> But we will be able to fix it up, and it's really cool what's, what's going to be able to happen with it as we move forward. It's, it is really awesome, but it is a byproduct. It's not the core of the promise. It's a byproduct. You see, 
You may have often felt like God broke a promise to you, but oftentimes these are byproducts, not promises. Here's, what, here's a little bit more about what Jesus has promised you. He talks about his followers being persecuted. He talks about, pop up to the next one, guys. He says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. His promise is you're going to inherit what Christ has. I don't know what your retirement plan is. It doesn't even make it on the paper compared to what God is going to give you when you inherit what he has for you. It doesn't compare. There's no comparison. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What? Yeah. The inheritance is coming, but right now they're suffering. He, he goes on to say, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. A little later he says, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Right now in China, they're tearing down their churches. The government's coming in. If this was our campus, they would come in and bulldoze the whole thing and say no more. They're arresting pastors. You say, wait, wait, wait. God, you didn't keep your promise. How could you let this happen to our church? No, no, that's a byproduct. The truth is he told us what he wants to do is turn us into a people that when they tear down our church and when they arrest our pastor, we know God has not forsaken us. He's going to keep making us like him. We don't like the byproduct, and we don't like the way he's going to do it. And if you say you do, there's another discussion we need to have. I don't like that. I don't want God to do it that way. I don't like that byproduct. But that's what he actually has promised us. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, now this is a promise. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. That's the promise. And oftentimes you think God has broken a promise because you're measuring his promises based on byproducts. When in fact our relationship with Jesus and the reason that we fall head over heels in love with Jesus is the promises of Jesus are to allow you to live in the spirit while living on earth. In other words, to live like God when you live in a place where no one else does. And where everything seems to go against that. And to grow in grace. What do you mean? This is how the world works. God makes the promises. I trust him. That's it. I don't bring anything to the table. I don't produce. I trust. It's all on him. It's up to God to make me a success. It's up to God to make me valuable. Why? Because that's what he promised. 
I'm just going to live like what he said is true. To grow in character and love. I'm falling head over heels with Jesus because he never breaks his promise to prepare me for tomorrow. My love grows as I look to my Savior and his promises. He's the promise keeper. We're going to sing a song called It Is Well With My Soul. This past week, there was somebody, a kid who his dad took his cell phone away from him for some kind of discipline. He calls the police. He calls the police and says, look, man, I just want my cell phone back and then I'll go live with my grandma. There's, there's two, I don't know the guy's situation. We're looking at it from the outside, but from the outside, it looks like he did two things. Number one, he's taking his dad for granted. He thinks dad owes him forgiveness. He thinks his dad owes him a living. And his dad owes him a cell phone. And number two, he's not only taking his dad for granted, he loves the cell phone. Life is the cell phone. Have you Do you find it difficult to fall head over heels in love with Jesus because you've taken God for granted? You think you deserve forgiveness. You think you deserve that God would bless you when in fact you're the one who can't keep his promises. And maybe you've fallen in love with this world. And the byproduct hasn't been what you want it to be. See, the byproduct almost always has to do with this world and making my life in this world what I want it to be. People who are head over heels in love with Jesus, they get it. You can't love this world and find life at the same time. Whoever loves this life will lose it. And whoever dies to this life, for Jesus' sake, will find it. As you sing this song, as you sing this song, wrestle with Jesus. Do you think he's broken a promise? He has not. Do you think he's left you? He has not. Have you let the love of this world steal the love you have for him?